0: Welcome back to the Winging It podcast, how to build, maintain, and totally own a career that you love. Every week, I'm sitting down with an expert to help business owners and career women learn something new that will help them achieve success and balance in a career path that makes you happy. In today's episode, I am beyond excited to invite an incredible female entrepreneur, who has built an incredible brand with a crucial visual identity at its heart building a recognizable brand is so so important but it's not something that comes naturally to all of us today's episode is all about how to build a brand with a crucial visual identity at its heart the music for this podcast is epic i know it's been provided by the edit album a curation of copyright free music for creatives. Our listeners get 25% off with the code Sassy25 and I'll leave the link in the description box or if you're listening on Entel you'll be able to click the link now. If you're listening to this on your phone make sure you get the best experience by downloading the Entel app. Entel is an interactive podcast platform that combines the best of audio storytelling with the richness of the web so this means you'll be able to follow links, view images, follow people on social and much more by just tapping your phone. So, I am sat with Harriet Hastings, who I will ask you to introduce yourself properly in a moment, um, but I'm really excited to be here, and I've just had a, a lovely tour of your biscuit factory. <laughs> so, in your own words, can you tell everyone who you are and what you do?
1: Um, I'm Harriet Hastings, and I am uh, the founder and managing director of Biscuteers.
0: And what is Biscuiteers? Uh,
1: well, we are a hand-iced uh, biscuit gifting company, essentially. Um, and we uh, operate online at com. But we also have two icing cafes in London. Um, and we also have quite a big sort of bespoke corporate business.
0: Amazing. I actually, and I've told you this story before, but I have known about biscuiteers for a number of years because I received a box of Handbags and shoes from some of my work colleagues after I'd had an operation um, and I sat there feeling very sorry for myself and I received this thing in the post I was expecting flowers or something and it came through the door this amazing little tin I thought oh
1: it's so well, heartwarming. I mean it's interesting because we, we did launch actually the business and we've kind of hung on to this strap line because it I, I guess people really understood it which was why send flowers when you can send biscuits and and In a way, that was the idea: was to create um, a whole new gifting idea, which would be more personalised, more stylish, more interesting um, than perhaps the more kind of traditional ideas.
0: How did you come up with it? Uh,
1: Well, I had left uh, a—I mean, I had a job in uh, branding, marketing, actually, and um, and PR, and I had left that job after I had four children that time and I was very keen to work for myself. I was working freelance and my husband um, has a catering and events company that he's had for years called Lettuce. So he's always been in the kind of food area and it just occurred to me that there was a potentially a massive uh, opportunity in the food gifting sector and so actually it was it was kind of the opportunity before it was the idea yeah. and um, I knew also that that his knowledge and understanding of food and food production and my knowledge of kind of branding, marketing and PR would be a kind of great combination if we could get it right and we were on a trip to New York actually and we came across um, a small bakery um, in the meatpacking district that was selling iced biscuits and it was our kind of, you know, moment again, that could really work and I was very keen to bring some real kind of design flair into to what we were doing. And I, I also knew that I wanted to be working with something that would be would actually be a great corporate gift. So it had to be very kind of flexible. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was, it was sort of post the kind of massive, uh, interesting cupcakes. And, you know, and I could see that biscuits had so much, so many better things over cupcakes. You know, they have well, longer shelf yeah. life. You can post them which is critical for a business like ours which is an online getting business um, but also they are completely limitless in the sort of opportunities for creating you know designs and ideas amazing okay so
0: let's take it back a little bit and mm-hmm. talk about your career what was the first ever job you had? <laughs>
1: um,
0: my first job was in publishing um,
1: and I worked for five years at Penguin and um, in fact, I ended up um, a marketing director for Michael Joseph, um, and then after that, I went. Uh, I actually joined what was actually a, a really kind of PR arts uh, company, and that actually took me into the area of digital. It was at the beginning of the kind of explosion of kind of digital, and what we did is we basically pivoted the company because it was about content. So in a way even then people understood that digital and the success of digital was going to be about content so we got very um, early on into the consumer tech sector and sort of what happened and the business grew and I ended up um, by the time I left um, I was the consumer brands director there um, and had worked with and it, it is relevant actually to biscuitiers because um, I'd worked with a lot of Tech companies, a lot of e-commerce startups. i would seen, you know, I was we were basically around for the whole kind of dot-com explosion, and so I was really keen that any business that I started was going to be, was going to be an e-commerce business.
0: Amazing. Well, a lot of a lot of e-commerce businesses just do so well now because of digital. So naturally,
1: well, I mean, you know. The barriers to entry are, are relatively low, you know, it is incredibly exciting, you know, it is possible to set up a website, you know, and r- relatively low risk to do so, and to be able to test things and test ideas,
0: you know. I also think anyone, I mean, now because of the internet, can you, I, I always say, how do people run a business without the internet, because the, pol- the possibilities are really endless, anyone can start a business.
1: Yeah, I think anybody can, but I think also... I think one of the great excitements of it is you can also compete in a kind of bigger space. Yeah. So even small brands can compete in a way with larger brands in a digital space in a way that is not possible to do in in a sort of high street environment.
0: Yeah, it is. With that, though, comes competition. And so what I'm going to ask you Mm -hmm. next is... um, I think for biscuiteers, the visual identity is such a massive thing, and for me, mm. um, when I think of biscuiteers, not only do I think of ice biscuits, um, I think of your shop fronts, the amazing kind of very um, i mean I want to say Parisian, but it's yeah, I know what you mean unusual, <laughs> yeah. illustrated, kind of something straight out of the pages of a book
1: yeah, and I think that I mean obviously biscuiteers is by its very nature a very Visual business, um, but I think that we were really clear when we started that it was going to be about the whole experience. So not just the collections of, of biscuits, which is obviously the starting point, but also the packaging um, and everything kind of associated with it. I mean, like, gifting is an experience from beginning to end. It's it's you know an experience for the person you know purchasing the gift and also obviously for the recipient. And it was really just trying to make that whole journey as brilliant as it possibly could be.
0: Yeah. And so how did that kind of come about? Well,
1: um, I suppose uh, I was very clear when I started. I think I think one of the interesting things about starting businesses is it's really helpful if you kind of know what your sort of ambition is at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I was really clear, and probably because of my background and professional experience, that I was in it to build a brand. And so... Right up front, um, while the idea was still, you know, sort of basically on the back of an envelope, I did get in a, a good branding agency involved, and this sort of working out literally everything. I mean, there is an enormous amount of thought in everything from the, you know, the style and the design of the tins. You know, they are very lovely square edged tins, which are actually incredibly hard to find. And source. Um, and then you know, decisions about the fact that we we very much pitch ourselves. Um, consciously as a fashion sort of fashion brand rather than as a food brand. We were building an aspirational brand. We are in the luxury sector of biscuits. And so it was really, you know, so that was sort of, we spent a lot of time, is what I'm trying to say, in terms of working out what the look and feel of the packaging and the company and the brand and the website and all those things. And it's really served us well because although the company has obviously evolved and grown dramatically since then the the basic core elements of the brand that we put together on the day we if you like launched the website have remained consistent yeah but and that was very much because we had that kind of longer term view that we knew that we wanted
0: to create a brand does that make sense it does make sense so it's your birthday this year the big one um Were you in biscuitier's birthday? Biscuitier's birthday.
1: Um, well, I'm not sure it's a big. Wait, one. Obviously, it you. It happens every year. <laughs> um, we use our we use our birthday month, which is September. Um, actually, yes, to some extent, it's a, it's a marketing opportunity, obviously, but it's also where we try and give something back to customers. So we, you know, we we have quite a lot of sort of birthday celebrations and birthday weekends, and you know, and in this month, um, it, we're actually eleven. Are we
0: 11 or 12? God, (laughs) 12. We're 12. Oh, 12. We're 12. Yes, we're 12. I thought you said 25. That's the women's prize. Ah, (laughs) that's another thing. (laughs) We'll talk about that later. Um, Yeah, they were 12. But that's, I mean, for 12 years, I think a lot of Mm. time you see companies kind of getting bored of their branding and rebranding. And I mean, even people I follow on social media, I've seen people rebrand once a year every three years. And i am I think that's a reflection of something not working. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, I think, you know, our brand is working. Um, I mean, it, it, it is something that evolves. I mean, oddly, at the moment, we're going through a process of actually rewriting our brand guidelines because as the business has got bigger and obviously there's many more people working for it and some things that when you're a much smaller team, you almost work on instinct. Yeah, You know, I, I feel I obviously personally have a very clear idea of what something that comes from biscuit is should look like now, whether that's the design of the biscuits which is where it all starts or the style of the photography or the tone of what we're doing but as you get bigger you can't expect everybody who comes to work with you to automatically take that on board so we're actually having to formalize some of that process which has been actually just quite instinctive to us up to this point because you do just have to have a very clear vision of your everything, from your look to your tone of voice to the way you talk to your customers. Um, you know, I said right at the beginning, I wanted, when we did the very first designs for the very first collections, um, which were fashion collections, some of the earliest ones, that I wanted to, everybody to always know what a biscuiteer's biscuit looked like, to be able to recognise a biscuiteer's biscuit. Yeah. You know, because, you know, we, we spend an enormous amount of time... We, you know, we, we are creating collections... We're creating collections seasonally in the same way um, that a fashion brand would create collections. And there is an enormous amount of thought that goes into that, whether it's starting with a colour palette, starting with an idea, an inspiration, going through rounds of designs, and then making sure, in the final outcome, that it hangs together in the tin, you know, that the layout is perfect, that we've got an original design for the outside of the packaging. You know These things don't happen by accident. And I think... You know, what, it's really important. I mean, there are plenty of other people now. We were the sort of original, if you like, ice biscuit company. There's plenty of other people icing biscuits now. So what we want to be is, is you know, just, if you like, the aspirational brand brand in that sector. You know, that people want biscuiteers biscuits. They don't want just any old biscuit. You know, that's kind of... That's what a brand is. It's got to the point where people have yeah. a
0: relationship with it and see a value in it. And you've also developed... Characters, and we went and had a look at them earlier. The, oh, the g- Jolly Gingers. The Jolly Gingers. So you now have characters. Uh, that... Yeah, no,
1: we did, um, a few years ago, we came up with this idea. What we what we like to have also is, is a range of, of, of different gifts. So um, obviously there are, are sort of iconic tins, but, but at the other end of the spectrum, if you like sort of entry level, or just really spontaneous gifting around, you know, the £10 mark, um, we came up with this idea of really developing... Um, the gingerbread man concept. Um, and actually so what we have is we have a whole range of characters which are known as our Jolly Gingers. And they're just don't know, we have a lot of fun with them actually, to be honest. You know, whatever the occasion is, you know, whether it's um, you know we don't to be coming up to you know Halloween or Christmas, there'll be a new set of Jolly gingers with new characters that can send out. And they're just a lot of fun. It's a bit like sending a greeting card I guess, but just kind of a
0: whole lot more interesting. There's something very nostalgic about gingerbread men as well. I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't go to the shop and buy a gingerbread men. I mean, you buy them for children, but they're almost like adult gingerbread men. Yeah, and it's, I mean, interestingly, we are
1: um, largely an adult gifting brand. Um, and although in the icing cafes, particularly, obviously lots of uh, children come in to those. But I would say that the vast, vast majority of what we sell goes to adults. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's. The, I mean, the other thing is, you know, a big part of our, if you like, brand tone of voice is also, you know, it, it's witty. That's the idea, you know. It puts a smile on your face. It, it puts a smile on your face. I mean, we, we call it, you know, we, we talk about spreading, you know, a bit of a magic. You know, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to brighten people's days. You know, we're trying to make people smile and, you know, share moments and share connections, actually. Through the choice of the biscuits that
0: that we create, and do you think that your um, brand and visual identity is obviously very very strong? Mm. It's very recognisable. You've had some amazing brand collaborations. Do you think that that's um, helped? I guess not secure them, but appeal to um, brands that you've done collections with. So. I think I've written some down here. Mm. Beatrix Potter, National Portrait Gallery, you did 100 Years of Vogue. Mm-hmm.
1: I think, well, I think there's two parts to that. One is I, I think I'm, um, I mentioned that we have um, a corporate team here. That's quite a big uh, part of our business. So we do a lot of bespoke orders and we've always been really strong. So, taking fashion for a minute, we've always, always been really strong in the fashion sector. We do a lot of bespoke gifting for high-end fashion brands, beauty brands, um, um, and now sort of across the range. So that's everything from product launches to um, customer gifting, um, loyalty gifting. And so I think in that sense, we're known for that. So I think that opens quite a lot of doors, you know, the kind of more you do. We, I mean, right in the first year, we were working for Burberry, Mulberry, you know. So Amazing. we consciously made... Uh, I, think, I think in a way what happened was by working very early on with um, brands like that, it kind of helped our brand, do you know what I mean? So it, it created that kind of association. And I've been really clear from the beginning that, that we, we, we sit sort of in a way in the fashion sector... And I think that's very been very important for us. I mean, I remember someone um, just calling us. I think it was a net of of biscuits or something, you know. And that's love that, that. that's kind of what we want to be. Um, and I think it's so I think it's all about positioning as much as anything else. You know, we don't when we approach our you know PR or immediate. You know, we're we're wanting we're wanting to be in vogue. We're not really aiming to be in the food magazines that's yeah. not our natural space and i think in the, the the language that we use in the business is the language of a fashion brand so we'll talk about collections and new season launches and you know so we're communicating those ideas constantly to customers
0: that's quite interesting you know we're not we're not just
1: it sounds bizarre to I me mean, sometimes i say we're not selling really selling biscuits but we're selling because sometimes when you say you're selling biscuits, people don't quite understand what you are selling, you know. Which is, as I said, keeps coming back to this kind of experience. It's just much more than a set of biscuits, you know. It's a whole. Um, I mean, you know, for me, it's you know, design is at the centre of everything that we do, um, and I've never let go of you know that kind of managing that side of it. You know, like every biscuit that we sell, every piece of um, marketing material. You know, I will see it all because it's really important to me that we remain true to, you know, um, because
0: I, you know, we've just got to be the best. I think that's an interesting piece of advice for people, especially who's struggling with branding, because mm. I think. You know, you've, you've come from a branding background. I do people's branding day-to-day. But a lot of people do struggle with that side of things. And I think it's interesting that you say if you're targeting certain people, um, so for example, mm. Vogue magazine, then it's not just the look that has to kind of represent mm. that in terms of the design stuff. It's, you know, how you talk, the way that things are written down has to be in that same uh, style so that people can relate to it.
1: Yeah, and, and a lot of... You know, what it really comes down to is is sort of having a clear idea of who your customer and your market is, which is the start of any marketing proposition. Because, actually, that determines then, you know, your, your tone of voice and the way in which you communicate and, and your messaging across everything. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and your kind of visual... You know, I mean, for me, there's a sort of massive... Um, particularly, in the, I suppose, the sector we're in. You know, what we're aiming for is things... To be stylish, not novelty. You know, that's kind of, you yeah. know, that's quite that's quite a kind of fine line. Um, but I want people. I want our biscuits to, to be sophisticated, and you know, and witty, and and fun as well. Um, and I think that if you you know if you can keep a, it, I think it's harder. But maybe you wouldn't be doing a business like this if you were completely artificial. Sure. But I think if you don't have those skill sets naturally, you need to. One what, what of the points about being an entrepreneur is to understand what you're good at and understand what you're not good at. Oh, 100%. And then to, when you've identified those things, to get help with the things you're less good at.
0: I've only just <laughs> learned that lesson. I um, just outsource my bookkeeping. <laughs> 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 exactly.
1: Um, and uh, so I think, you know, for, for marketing and design has always been very much at the heart of this business, but that's very much because that's where I happened to sit in where I come from. Yeah. But, you know, obviously we need an enormous amount of support in other areas of business that wouldn't be my natural strength.
0: This podcast is not sponsored. So I thought, what better way to help more businesses out than to shout out some amazing women doing amazing things. This week is all about George and Bear Run by Yasmin, a self-confessed crazy dog lady, me too Yasmin, full coverage concealer kind of girl living in Melbourne, Australia after having moved three years ago from Kent in the UK. One day, Yasmin decided to take the plunge and put her Photoshop skills to use and bring her own designs of dog clothing to life. Six months later, she's here with her own trademark Orders coming through her website and one stylish puppy who really turns heads at the park. With gorgeous graphic prints on both harnesses and leads, George and Bear makes accessories fun again. Definitely something that both you and your dog will be excited about. After all, dogs should have style too, right? You can find George and Bear very simply at www.georgeandbear.co.uk think it's very difficult and i think i'm sure you'll agree with mm. me it's very difficult to have an original business idea these days um so i guess it's about propositioning yourself i mean i would say that when biscuit here started i don't know if there was anything similar on on the market in terms of no no the, there wasn't i mean we we
1: were we are the original um i don't think there's anything anywhere in the world actually i mean i think it really was the very first time that somebody had actually created um you know ice biscuits as a sort of you know, proposition, alternative gifting to, say, chocolates and flowers. Um, but I have to say, I, although I know, you know, people talk about first-mover advantage, and we did have that, and it was exciting and it was fun, I basically feel that, of course, there are very few original ideas, so the only thing there is is great execution. You know, and th- you know, there's never really a shortage of ideas, but there is a shortage of businesses that are properly and well-executed
0: that is a very interesting take on what I was going to ask you <laughs> Well, I know I do agree I think entrepreneur wise a lot of mm. people have ideas but it's whether you can actually execute them well um, I was going to say how do you think you've managed to stay recognisable in the world where you know someone sees a business doing something they're like do you know what let's give that a crack mm. as well we'll do that well I think there's two parts to it really in our
1: particular case one is that It turned out, um, and I don't think I realised this, probably it was a good time I didn't realise this, that our business is actually really very logistically complicated. Um, And although it would appear that there are very few barriers to entry, I I think there are actually quite a few. I mean, I I just hadn't quite realised, you know, we, we basically created a manufacturing business. You know, we make, and indeed hand make, hand ice, everything that we sell. I can confirm that, (laughs) and you know that means that you know we have to employ a lot of people, um, and the investment in manufacturing space. um, You know, we've had to literally create and design our own um, sort of machinery and the way we do things because it just doesn't exist. Um, Nobody has tried to hand ice this many biscuits. um, I don't think in a kind of business environment. So although it's not difficult to do what we're doing on a, on a small scale, it is actually really quite difficult to do what we're doing on the scale that we're doing it. And we've spent, you know, really the last 12 years has largely been a learning curve. And, and the hard part has actually not been stimulating interest and demand in the business. The hard part is actually being building the kind of manufacturing model behind it. And I think if when, you know, if at the end of the day I look back on the whole experience and think what was the like, proudest of, oddly it may well be having founded a manufacturing business. You know that's actually a really difficult thing to do. Mm. Um, but in terms of uh, how we've kept our, suppose I suppose our, you know, front of mind. I mean, we just you know market it. We just market the hell out of it. You know, basically we yeah. it's. Um, and I think if you're running a consumer business, particularly, um, which also carries its own challenges, and particularly a consumer business that is a digital business, you, know, you have to work really hard to keep that business front of mind with customers and you have to use every possible platform, you know, channel that you can to make that work. Yeah. You know, you're dependent on driving you know, really enormous amounts of traffic to your website. You know, having a really brilliant website. If assuming it's an uh, e-commerce business, um, you know, inc- you know, great everything. You know, great conversion rates, great experiences on the website. You know, offline marketing, online marketing, PR. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a massive undertaking to just keep kind of growing businesses in that space.
0: suppose the other thing is because your shop fronts are so beautiful I don't know about anyone else but when I drive past a shop front that I like the look of and I don't know what it is I google it instantly because I'm like what is that I need to know
1: oh well (laughs) well I think the shops are quite interesting I mean I from my
0: we didn't have shops when we
1: started um I'm just trying to remember when we actually first um opened Notting Hill it was probably about six years ago um or five maybe six seven years ago I mean, I, I think that um, what I've, I felt very much that we needed um, a, a kind of real bricks-and-mortar place in which we people could come and visit our brand. So it was at the time, it was partly driven out of people going, where's your shop and don't get to shop and thinking... So in a way, the decision to open the first one was relatively easy um, because the way we went into it, we were very nervous about it because, you know, high-street retail is really hard. Yeah. And also, again, it was a new business model, so we just didn't know. So we came up with this idea... Of launching an icing cafe, um, which was really rooted in experiences. It was where we run the school of icing. You can come and learn to ice. You can come and ice biscuits in a sort of a bit like a pottery cafe. Um, and it's and it actually, although that you know the Notting was actually incredibly successful. It, the truth is that I do tend to approach the shops and think about them as basically the sort of marketing opportunity that keeps on giving, because it, it, we use them all the time in a kind of marketing capacity and I think that's the value often for digital businesses, we're not, you know our, our business model is not selling on the high street, our business model is gifting online, but having those shops has really helped I think and the, yeah. even though they're only in London which is obviously a bit limiting, it just, it just absolutely seems to keep us from or, or somehow it felt pivotal in terms of the growth of the company and the perception of the company But when you have a couple of kind of physical spaces, people think about you in a rather different way than they do that if you're just purely online.
0: Yeah. I was thinking it's nice to have a touch point with customers. And I mean, I was saying this to you earlier, but I'm I'm not one of those people Mm. that can sit online and chat to people. I know a lot of services-based businesses that will happily Mm. just sit behind a screen, but I just can't do it. And I think that's been one of the biggest things for me is getting out there. Um, And I know for a lot of other people, Mm. getting out there... You know, talking to customers, talking to yeah. clients. I mean, it's you know, if you use it in the right way,
1: um, it's brilliant for that kind of thing. You know, getting so obviously the guys in, in, in the shops, you know, they really are kind of front line in the sense that they're talking to customers yeah. physically in a way. Of, you know, we might be chatting to them online, but we're not we're not really talking to them in, in that sense. So I think it's it's really important, and I constantly say to them, you know, I need you know, I need to, your feedback. I need to understand what the customers you know are thinking, how they're reacting to new collections. New designs, what they're liking, what they're not, you know, and very much using it as that kind of uh, sort of mouthpiece. But also, we, you know, we we hold meet, you know, you can imagine you we know, hold meetings in them, you know, we we run corporate events in them. People rent the shops for icing experiences, for okay. product launches, that kind of thing so They have lots of different Uses. approaches. It's just that it's not for the faint-hearted. I have to say, at opening shops. I mean, the amount of relative <laughs> amount of time that goes into running shops is absolutely. You know, it's one of the hardest things
0: uh, that we did. Actually, Looking back back on it. So, for businesses that are people that are thinking of starting a business, um, do you have any tips on um, kind of? I know we've we've talked about a lot about your own experiences, which people can learn from. um, Do you have any tips that you can give on how to build a good visual identity?
1: Well, obviously. Any visual identity is very much contextualising, you know, what it is you're actually um, selling. Um, I think that one of the things is it's got to be rooted, again, in, in, in the idea of who the customer is. So everything starts with, you know, obviously, you know, the product and the customer and you know, the USP is no clear understanding of why people would want to buy from you. Yeah. I had a, you know, and out of that then follows. So for me, that it's a sort of progression. You know, you start with that, those sort of ideas and then so you then... I mean, I think getting... I think if you want a really strong, unless you are a graphic designer, I would strongly recommend getting professional help um, because... And then I think the other thing is that a lot of things can be very derivative that's the other thing I've, I've, I've noticed you know about designs and, and you know, even good graphic design agencies you know you just want to be careful in terms of just finding things sometimes that's a good thing sometimes something that's resonant with something else can be an advantage um, but it's quite it's it's quite hard. I think, I think you can't be self-indulgent about it as well in the sense that it has to be absolutely rooted in what your business proposition is and who you're trying to talk to and what kind of feels appropriate in that space. Yeah. But it's super important <laughs> because the other thing is visual identity has to work across so many different channels now. Yeah. So whereas, you know, even I suppose when we started, which was only, you know, 12 years ago, we probably primarily were thinking initially about packaging. And then what became really clear is that it became about digital identities. And then what works in a digital environment is very different from what works in an offline environment. So you need to be thinking about all the possible... So even taking a logo, for instance. You know, we use different versions of our logos in different environments now. Yeah but that sort of evolved but if I was starting a business now it would be like yeah well obviously I've got to have something that works well in digital as well as something that works in our case on the front of the shop and something that works on our
0: packaging I think consistency is a big part of that as well Mm. um for example we just did a rebrand for someone and then I always I always support clients by ordering from them so um I ordered something and it came through and on the packaging was the old logo. And I said, you can't rebrand. But then have the old... And then wouldn't use the packaging up. Yeah, I was like, you've got to make that investment. I mean, if you're going to do it, make the full investment. Um, and it's not even that. It's, you know, updating all of your social channels to have exactly yeah. the same logo, um, you know, the same cover pictures, even the same handles. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people have different well, handles yeah. from Twitter to Instagram. Well,
1: I mean, I mean, would. I mean, we've had a few problems with that so i mean increasingly i think everybody goes the same way so we ended up with different handles in the shops um and then we had a couple too many hashtags flying around you know and it's you are constantly sort of cleaning up that kind of thing and you have to be yeah. really you know on it um particularly you know in digital environments have become so much more important i mean and running digital channels you know I mean, i'm i'm constantly the, the amount of time you know we're basically content publishers across you know five or six different. You social do channels. have the most
0: amazing Instagram, yeah.
1: And but you know there's an enormous amount of work goes into that because we're creating. Well, we create videos, we create content, we create photography, we create because we recognise that it's a big part of our brand proposition. Um, but interestingly, I don't think everybody. Necessarily takes on board perhaps when they're starting businesses just how much time it takes to actually manage social media feeds on that scale yeah you know across all of us we've got over a million followers you know it's a lot of people to be talking to you know you've got to be doing it really well it
0: does take a lot of time yeah <laughs> it's a job or two <laughs> it is yeah um but what's funny what I was going to say about your Instagram is every day uh now I'm following through every day. I'm like, I wonder what they're going to post today. And I scroll through and like every time I see it, it just does put a smile on my face. So It's almost like getting it through your letterbox, but you're getting that little square and you're like... I think, I think for me, the big part of that, just on particularly on social media,
1: and actually to some extent it's true around what we sell and design is topicality. I think it's sort of, if you, you know, obviously we see, we see the world through the prism of biscuits, just a slightly unusual way to do it. But what, we, what you'll find if you look at our feeds is we're quite often talking about something, you know, it will be connected to something that's happening in the world at that time. You know, it could be as simple as it's pouring with rain and we're putting up biscuit umbrellas with raindrops. Or it could be... I really liked that one. <laughs> it's a good one, wasn't it? It's worth it. <laughs> the or, gift. it could, or it could be, um, you, know, that we're, you know, it's Wimbledon Week, so we're all over tennis, you know. I, I think topicality and being part of the conversation... Is, is a really important way of kind of having permission to talk to people.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, take, that does take a lot of planning. I think sometimes people just, like, plop stuff on there just yeah. as and when, but that does no, take we're, a lot of you know, we're,
1: we're thinking ahead all the time about, you know, what's in the calendar, what's, what we should be talking about, and, and then sometimes we'll change things because something we didn't know was going to happen. We can be quite reactive. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is nice, and I think that's what people
0: enjoy, actually. It is. Love it. Um, So, on that note, um, well, actually, I must just say this because I haven't said it yet. Um, The office that we're sat in has, like, the most amazing wallpaper. And when I came in here, um, you told me exactly what the wallpaper was because I was just looking and I was thinking, (laughs) that's really unusual. I wonder if I've seen that anywhere before. And it's another branding thing.
1: It's another branding thing. Well, it, it's linked to so all of our um, biscuit tins, um, each collection has an original illustrative design created for it. So that's you know, that's part of this sort of focus on so the idea is that you keep the tin, the tins are put to for keep safe forever. So as a result of that we have and in our latest book actually, um, we have the most beautiful illustrated end papers that represented the seasons, because it was so we're autumn, winter, summer, spring. And so in our new um, offices, we have turned these uh, illustrations into wallpapers. So we're currently sitting in the spring room.
0: We've got sweet peas yeah. and sun sunflowers. Yeah. I want this in my bedroom.
1: <laughs> it's a really <laughs> nice one, this one, isn't it? Yeah. This is actually my complete
0: favourite. I really love it. It's but, nice for this time of year, I think. As it gets colder, I might further uh, Christmassy one, stuck so okay. all really festive. Well, my office is autumn, so I'm not quite sure I full of rabbits. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I was gonna say not is sure. autumn your favourite season? Or no, does that just so my husband
1: who did who has been actually creating doing the building, it's been a massive building project to get this ready. We've now moved into our own kind of branded manufacturing space in Wimbledon. And uh, anyway he's spent he's crazy about madmen and he basically decided that he wanted to build to me an office, which was kind of mad men inspired which meant a lot of brown oh, and wow. I said, but hang on a minute, I'm going to put the wallpapers up and uh, then I thought okay, well I'll put the the autumn one is quite brown, okay. so that's hence why I got the brown I thought, it's okay, I like the rabbits. <laughs> but I'm going to be sitting there and my kind of mad men inspired <laughs> so
0: I think it's a little joke Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well,
1: you know,
0: roll with it the wallpapers are nice and <laughs> um, So, at the end of every episode, I ask people this question, Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping you've got a good one. What is one app that you couldn't do your job or run your business without, and you can't say social media? Right, so I have a couple of different answers. Oh, yes, I love it. I love it when people have more than one.
1: Because I'm, I'm sort of also thinking about what we use in the business. So one of the ones that um, I can't say I use, but we use in the business is very important to us, is a video editing app called Splice.
0: Love Splice. Yeah. Into it.
1: So um, anybody who does follow us will see that we use a lot of video um, on our social media feeds, and we make a lot. So we, we make um, icing videos, so we show people how to ice, and then we also do a little stop-motion uh, animations quite often, and anyway, Splice is the tool that we use for that.
0: And the other one. Um, What's good about Splice as well is that it's. I mean, they've just updated the app, um, but it does portrait full screen for stories and IGTV and yeah. all of that stuff, but then you can also kind of do it for Facebook and whatever, but it's more geared towards like social content, which I think is really yeah. cool.
1: It is, and I think that. Um, you know video is so important on social content now mm. you know we, you know there's no doubt about it It gets a huge amount of kind of engagement and and it's amazing mm. i mean when we do icing videos it, people just always find them so mesmerising and relax relaxing they always put these comments going i could watch this for hours it's like meditation <laughs> yeah it's just like obviously
0: like meditation well i've just had like a full preview of it downstairs in real life and like yeah. the shine i could have just stood there and just watched them for hours and it is exciting, extraordinary. And the level of... I
1: mean, they are so talented, the ICES. And I think that um, sometimes we should talk about this more because, you know, it is such a skill to be able to do it. Um, and they are, you know, literally artists down oh, there. And are. some of the work that they do um, for... in Particularly in the bespoke team, where we're creating designs every day for different brands and fashion brands and fashion sites, <laughs> are just extraordinary. Um, and also, you know, we also do sometimes... Uh, Biscuit sculptures. In fact, there's a small one at the moment in Selfridges, where we actually create sort of three D modelling with biscuits. And we created a few years ago. We've done a few, but the biggest one we ever did was for Waddesdon. We built the whole of the Waddesdon house. I've seen that. Yeah, it was massive, and it was like a doll's house. You looked inside, and we did all of the tapestries and the paintings and the furniture. Yeah, out of fondant. It was.
0: I mean, I'm it like, says on your website how many hours that took to create. Um, I can't mad. remember how many hours, but hundreds. Yeah, it was like
1: our most skilled. I it took them you wow. know, forever. It is a great. It was a great thing. I was, I was kind of blown away it when I saw it. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Oh, second app. Second app. You got sidetracked. I got sidetracked. <laughs> I think the second app is um, Slack, which I think a lot of people use. So yeah. That is the tool that we use within the teams for kind of day-to-day collaboration, working, communication. Um, Somebody describes me—I think it's probably quite accurate—as
0: a kind of WhatsApp for the workplace. See, I think I need that. I use Asana, but I think you can integrate Slack and Asana together. I don't know. Asana is like a task management system, so you can break it down into projects and teams. Oh, it's like Trello. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's it's yeah. It's not like Trello, so um, it's. It, it's more about. I mean, you can have Slack conversations. Yeah. I think it's the instant factor that WhatsApp has as well. Yeah. That kind of is, is quicker than email. That's why you know, people use
0: emails. <laughs> I love them, but I hate them. Um, those are two great apps. Thank you for sharing. Um, okay, so I always end each episode by. And sorry if you're not like a yeah, quote um, person, but. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> At the end of every episode, we I used to give a motivational, inspiring tip of the week. But I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to run out, so I'm just going to yeah. ask other people. So, is there like a is there a quote or like a saying that you live by, or just something generally inspiring that you?
1: I I I, I think I was thinking about this, and I think when when I first started, well, one of my early jobs, um, I had a, a boss, um, and she had this expression, um, which I actually think is very true and very kind of necessary for particularly anybody kind of in the entrepreneurial space um, which was JFDI which basically stands to just having and do it it's a tape on the uh, obviously the milit yeah but I think it's very true because I think that one of the things about running your own business or starting other things is you just actually just have to keep things moving and also you just have to make loads of decisions all the time and you just can't afford just to hang about and I, I think this has been fairly true of my life in sort of working experience. And there comes a point where you just have to get on with it and just make things happen. I think making things happen is a big part of what makes running your own business a success. Yeah, and I think that's kind of well reflected
0: in you know JFDI. <laughs> I would with, agree with you, with you on that. End. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people turn. Tend to kind of faff around for a bit. I'm very much a toggle. I'm not. I'm not a faffer because I just don't have time to be a faffer. Totally agree. You know, and I think that
1: it's not only being decisive; it's also encouraging and and
0: and empowering other people to be decisive who work for you. Um, Also, I think when you do stuff, even you know, people worry about the outcome when you Mm. do stuff. If if it's a bad outcome, you learn from it. If it's it's a good good outcome, winning. There's nothing
1: wrong with making mistakes. Hopefully not too expensive ones in your business. But, you know, in the end, we all make mistakes. But there is, what is worse than making that is just sitting on the fence and not just getting on with things.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And where can we find biscuiteers? Well, uh, online, obviously, um, Um,
1: you can, uh, find us, um, our social handle is, uh, at Limited, And you will find us on Instagram and you'll find us on all social media channels. And you'll also find us, uh, in Notting Hill, in Kesden Park Road, um, and we're in
0: the Northcote Road as well, if you're in London. Amazing. So come and buy some biscuits. Yes, please do. I'll have to do that. um, Thank you so much for coming on today you. and you can find me at lucy hitchcock underscore and uh, you can follow sassy digital at sassy digital for lots of marketing tips um, please subscribe leave a nice review if you liked it <laughs> and all of that stuff thank you so much harriet
1: thank you